Pazuzu juice has been poured. The, let's see, what do we got? The fall morning candle has been lit. Welcome to the Horror Salon. I am your co-host, Andemic. And I'm your co-host, The Witch. You may have noticed three clinks. And that's two clinks. Two, three, two. three. Some, some number of some clinks number of more clinks. than what it usually is. Lots of clinks. Right. Yes. Um, we have a special guest with us. So our special guest is Katrina Kittle. I like to call her part of the Dayton Literati. Uh-huh. Yeah, she um, is an amazing storyteller and an amazing writer and all of that good stuff. And we wanted her to stop by today for our topic, which is fairy tales. And she also makes a damn good cookie dough. Oh my God, yes. The cookie dough is next level. And so is the grilled <laughs> melon and the fresh pesto. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So Katrina, would you like to say anything? I would like to thank you for letting me come join this cool party because you are talking about things that I absolutely love. So even though my novels are more contemporary and they center around social issues, each of them has like kind of a spooky element or a mystery element. And these are things that I love and Endemic knows that I also Mm. love post-apocalyptic things. And so this is right at my alley, spooky awesome. things. So I am so thrilled to be here with you guys. Thank you for coming. We're Absolutely. super excited. This is our first guest. First guest. Oh, yes. I'm so honored. Yes. Yeah. We popped the guest cherry. Yes, we have. <laughs> or should I say we popped the guest Caesar? Caesar. Oh, um, look okay, at that. So let's talk about the Pazoos. Pazoos. Okay, so... When I do the Pazoos, maybe you guys have all learned this by now, I usually pick uh, beers and, and things that come in bottles because I am not a mixologist <laughs> like the witch. Yeah, I'm such so, a mixologist. Uh, we've got a couple to, to, to sample, and the first one is by Hoofhearted Brewing, and it really is Sazerp, Sizerp, and it is a sour farmhouse ale with yuzu puree added, uh, 6.5 ABV. Uh, 46 degrees Fahrenheit for fresh drinking. Is Hoofhearted, <laughs> it is in Columbus. Is it from Columbus? It is uh, brewed and canned in Marengo, Ohio. Oh, nice. Okay. And it says, dabbling in the dank and dark arts. Love Ooh, that. About that. So I picked this one because it's got a really cool, I don't know, troll of some sort laying under some toadstools. Yeah, it's an awesome can it is a very awesome and that's the one of the things with hoofhearted they do awesome art on all of their cans they really do yeah it's super cool yeah it's super cool all right i'm excited to try it i haven't tried this one let's do it all right clink 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 clink. what is happening on the back end of that (laughs) (laughs) um oh yeah that's sour that's sour i suppose i should have taken that from the the description. Yes, and it was a sour farmhouse <laughs> ale. Sour farmhouse ale. That's pretty sour. I like it. I I think I do too, but that back end goes. It's a little floral. <laughs> I say that about every drink. <laughs> Excuse me. It's floral forward. It's floral forward. <laughs> floral forward. Um, I don't hate it. Yeah, I'm into that. I'll drink that. Yeah. Katrina, I'll drink. Well, you should, yeah, she are, she shot it. She, it's it's gone. Mine, it's gone. All right. I would not drink more. I'll, I'll drink. I'll drink that. So shout out to Hoofhearted. Good. Yeah. Hoofhearted. Hoofhearted. Love their name. If you go Wonderful. to the restaurant and where they do, I think they do some brewing uh, down on Fourth Street in Columbus. Oh yeah. They're all over the walls are pictures of various things farting. 
I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Worth, uh, yeah. Go now. Well, yes. go when it's safe. Go when it's safe. But then go. Yeah. And look at that artwork. Support all the local. All the local breweries. All the local breweries. Yes. Businesses. Cocktailiers. Local business. Yeah. What did you just say? I said cocktailiers. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So we are talking fairy tales today. So you might be wondering why fairy tales? I thought this was a horror podcast. What is scary about a fairy tale? Well, for those of you who do not know, and a lot of horror nerds probably already do know this, fairy tales have some really dark origins. So we're going to be talking all about that today um, and a little bit about our favorites. And we are going to do a fun little reading at the end. So better stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Better. Better. Well, I mean, everybody loves a good fairy tale. Yeah. You know, they go back thousands of years. I, I like that about them. And what I especially love is this oral tradition. Yes. So many of them were not even ever written down. Exactly. But they survived. They survived. They survived. You're exactly right. I think that is super cool because they encapsulated the cultures that they originated in, right? Because anytime, if you study oral tradition, anytime a culture tells stories, they usually add embellishments to reflect what's going on in that time. And so that's what's so cool about fairy tales is they're going to be different depending on what culture you're in, Mm -hmm. what time period you're Mm -hmm. in. It's going to be a reflection of what's going on in society. Right. But that also is terrible for all of those who study fairy tales because they have no way of knowing if that was an original, that was an embellishment, they it's very hard to track so yeah time yeah Yeah. so um so should we talk a little history about the fairy tale yeah well here's just a little thing i learned and i don't know any more about it than this sentence i'm about to say ready (laughs) but i read an article that there is evidence that the story of beauty and the beast goes back four thousand years wow that's amazing um what the hell yeah i mean that's an early what the hell right that's an early what the hell but yeah that's amazing. I, so when I was doing a little research for this, too, um, I found that a lot of the tales have prehistoric roots. One, and they didn't specify exactly which one this was, but they found a fairy tale that dates back to the Bronze Age. Oh. What? So, people, I mean, humankind were telling these types of stories, you know, as soon as they Does were communicating. Did it say what story it was? They didn't. Oh, I'd be really curious. Yeah, I'm really curious to know what that story was. But yeah, so these stories have ancient roots. Um, they have been told throughout time in an oral tradition, like I said, mm-hmm. taking on different embellishments to reflect different cultures. And then eventually they start being written down. Yeah. Um, and so that's the earliest record we have is when they start writing these things down. But who knows yeah. if that's really the true root of the story. Mm-hmm. We will never, we'll never really know. Um, but kind of in researching this stuff, um, I found out that a lot of the fairy tales that we know and love, you're going to find a lot of the same types of tropes 
in them. So no matter if you're studying a fairy tale and you think its roots are in Germany or you think its roots are in China or you think its roots are in the Americas, um, you're probably going to find some common themes. Um, Fairy tales often had some sort of quest Um, They had some sort of protagonist um, going on a quest, trying to find something, trying to defeat a foe, trying to, you know, accomplish some sort of task. There's always a learning element. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there's the nice what we deem happy ending, Mm -hmm. which we know was sanitization, which we'll get into a little bit later. But they do have these kinds of tropes. Fairy tales themselves, though, what differentiates themselves? Because you, you kind of hear that pattern and you think, well, so do myths and so do legends. And why is a fairy tale a fairy tale and a myth a myth and a legend a legend? And so the, uh, what sets fairy tales apart is the magic element. And so you'll often see talking animals in fairy tales. Yeah. Um, you'll see some sort of um, supernatural helper to the protagonist in a lot of these fairy tales. And that seems to be a very distinct element of the fairy tale that isn't necessarily going to be found in your legends um, or your myths. I just learned something new. Thank you, Witch. Yeah, you're quite welcome. (laughs) You're absolutely quite welcome. I learned, that's why I like them. Those two things you just mentioned, the animals in particular, the animal helpers and the supernatural are why I like fairy tales. Absolutely. They make them fun. And I think that, too, um, is why they often get associated with children because they are the animal Mm -hmm. helpers. um, And there usually is some sort of happy ending or moral or something Mm -hmm. going on in there that you can learn from. So they're often associated with children. But what's interesting is they're not that's not necessarily why they were created. Right. Um, A lot of the fairy tales when they were originally written and we all think I mean when you think of a fairy tale you often think of Brothers Grimm. Right. Uh, If you were to ask the Brothers Grimm they didn't originally intend their audience to be children necessarily. They thought that would be one Mm-hmm. member of their audience as well as anyone else who's interested in these types of stories um but yeah it was because of those magical elements that they started being associated with children and then became sanitized for child audiences so i just thought that was a really interesting uh fact dark origins fairy tales like i said were a reflection of society um so as we know not all things that are going on in society are awesome. Um, And so oftentimes there were really dark themes that were happening. Um, If you think back to it, you know, uh, Cinderella, Mm -hmm. um, we know the Disneyfied version of she goes to the ball, glass slipper, all the wonderful Mary's Mm -hmm. the prince. She goes from rags to riches, right? That is not uh, necessarily the happy ending in the grim version. But there are a lot of dark elements to these things. And a lot of that came out of politics. Um, So one of the things I thought was super fascinating about fairy tales is people started using them as a way to communicate with one another without really making commentary. Um, But they would use a fairy tale to kind of talk about a subject without really talking about the subject. And so um, 
when in the mid 17th century, I believe, um, this this phenomenon started happening in Paris, where you know these were originally passed down through oral tradition. Now we're starting to write them down. Um, because they were passed down in oral tradition, they were often seen as common stories of the common folk, not necessarily, um, you know, the kings and queens and aristocrats were telling these stories. It was often the commoners. Um, but then once they start getting written down, they start going, uh, more aristocrats started telling these stories and using yeah. these stories in certain ways. And so in the mid-17th century, in Paris particularly, women started using fairy tales to comment on society and the ills of society for them and their experiences and the ills of the government at that time and what was going on and how they felt persecuted and repressed and things like that. And they did that in salons. And we come full circle. Yes, we come full circle. So they would use these fairy tales. Um, They would often, you know gather together um they would be they would write down their fairy tale and then they would perform it in some Mm -hmm. sort of way for one another and and kind of the the running theme was you know you always wanted to have more flowery language or say it in a more eloquent way than your competitor and that's kind of what made them literary fairy tales um, because they had these embellishments again reflection of your time right um so they would start telling these fairy tales and oftentimes, along with these embellishments in flowery language, there would be undertones of commentary mm-hmm. on the government mm-hmm. and women's rights and repression. Um, often, uh, in that age, women were barred from higher education. Mm-hmm. So they used this as a way to kind of um, communicate, get together, learn from one another um, without... Mm being seen it was kind of you know underground under the radar so um i thought that was really special about the fairy tale is that they would work in that way too because again we associate them with children's stories but they they are not that well dr seuss marvin k moody will you please go now is richard nixon right and yertle the turtle is uh, hitler yep you know so and then bring it even more forward than that in the last couple of years, I don't know about y'all, but the horror movies have gotten especially good. And es- political. And political. Yes. Especially yes. The, the apocalyptic stuff. Yep. I always know it's uh, shit going down the drain when the apocalyptic movies are getting better. <laughs> There's more to talk about. There's more to talk about. Exactly. And more prolific and more, even yeah. more popular. Just yes. because people are so hungry to talk about these issues. And it's a, a safe way to do it without looking at how mm-hmm. bleak our own world is. Yeah, and the the most hard-hitting of the last couple years for me was The Hunt, which at some point mm-hmm. we'll talk about. Absolutely. Um, that movie left me so conflicted and yes. excited and sad and happy, and it was fantastic. Absolutely. That movie is fantastic. Anyway, Absolutely. I digress. So that kind of made me think of an interesting question. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, because you have this fairy tale and... We know the elements of a fairy tale are magic. That's what sets it apart from all other types of stories. And because of that, it's often been associated with children. But then you have, on the other hand, people starting to use these innocent-seeming stories to tell or communicate um, about their political climate. Um, 
I wonder, is that still happening today? I mean, I, I if I think back on the fairy tales that I'm familiar with, um, I can't, they're all, I would assume, original, ancient. I don't know of any new, new fairy tale. Yeah, because maybe human nature doesn't really change all that much. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that maybe the emerging, it's not really fairy tale, but like particularly young adult literature mm-hmm. is very much filled that niche. Right? Yeah. Like especially the dystopian stuff oh, gosh, is yes. doing yeah. exactly what these Parisian salons were doing, you know, and why we shouldn't be surprised when we see young people rising up is everything we've given them to read for the past couple of decades has prepared them yeah. to do just that. Exactly. That's a really good point. And yeah. it's usually magic or some kind of supernatural force involved. Yeah. Well, like the reluctant hero I think of always yeah. is Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's just interesting to think about is how we as a society have adapted these tropes into what we need at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's I think that's very right. Our young adult fiction, um, dystopian particularly fiction, that's really interesting. So that's a little bit of background on fairy tales. Um, Brothers Grimm, like like I said, we obviously associate Brothers Grimm with fairy tales often. Um, they didn't necessarily latch onto the literary side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, they more so were very interested in oral tradition. And so if you didn't know um, much about Brothers Grimm, they are from Germany. Um, they were um, really interested in collecting and preserving German uh fairy tales german rooted fairy tales so when they went about their research if it didn't have its roots in germany they probably weren't going to collect it unless they thought oh yeah that one's from england but we think really a german made that up originally then they would collect it but they were really focused on german fairy tales and there was quite an interesting reason for that and it again is political so germany at the time was split into 200 principalities And so part of this project was there were so many people living in in Germany that wanted it to be united in one kind of country. And so in order to do that, they needed to make a case for why these 200 principalities should come together. And they wanted to make that case through creating some sort of national culture, um, national identity. And so a lot of people went out and were seeking stories from common folk. Um, And it just so happens that the Brothers Grimm were the ones who became popular. There were tons of people doing this. It was just the Brothers Grimm became popular at the time. Um, So they went out, they collected these stories, um, and they were doing it with the intention of creating a national identity. Um, And they put them all into a book, an anthology, and then they let it out into the world. Katrina is holding up that anthology. <laughs> that is actually not the original anthology the original, yeah. because they had to sanitize those stories. So that's where the darkness comes in. So I yeah. promise this is circling back to horror. I there promise. will be blood. There, there will, will be, be blood. <laughs> but I just find it fascinating that they were telling the stories the commoners were telling. They were telling the stories where, yeah, sometimes... Bad people cut off their feet. Yeah, sometimes princes weren't charming. Uh, yeah, uh, sometimes, you know, the, 
the little boy who shouldn't have done the thing and did the thing died. He didn't get away. Quit doing Um, the damn thing. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, but because, again, these stories were seen or associated with children because of the magical element, even though they weren't intended to, Mm -hmm. um, when they released their first anthology, they got a lot of pushback. And they said... Uh, this is supposed to be for children (laughs) and your blood and guts and pecking out eyes and we're not doing this. And so they went back and rewrote all their stories to fit the bill. So that's kind of where the the sanitization. So censorship. Yeah. They were totally and completely censored. Um, But as we will dig into here now, they were very uncensored in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. And unsanitary. Yes. Unsanitary. <laughs> Which? Yeah. Chug that. Okay. Because we got to move on. And she will. She'll chug it. She's a professional, oh, you guys. She's still drinking the original yeah, one. Yeah, she's still oh got the God. original one. Cause, okay. Okay. Done. All right. Done with that. So, but it was delicious. She, this is how, this is what we do. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. So next we are drinking New Holland Brewing Company, Dragon's Milk. Ooh. Solera. That. Fodor aged ale. What is Fodor? I don't know. Hmm. I have no idea. Um, What's the ABV? Fodder, maybe? F O E D E R? Fodder aged? Uh, okay, so let's see. <laughs> it's 10% ABV. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Aged in a series of American oak fodders? Fodors? Using a we blending have four technique. drinks, and you decided one of them was a ten percenter. How much gin have you shoved down me? I have exactly. shoved a lot of gin. See, in why can't I be here on a gin night? <laughs> we'll we can make it a gin night. We can make it a gin night. <laughs> All right, listen, I, listen. They went through the trouble to write this, so listen. Okay, okay. I'm listening. Uh, using a blending technique known as Solera, nuanced flavors of caramel, toffee, and fig well, create it. It never is. It never tastes like that. <laughs> Create an experience made to be savored. This legendary ale will continue to evolve with each pull from the voters, becoming more complex over time. <laughs> sounds it's sounds intriguing. Like caramel gonna, and toffee. It's caramel like and toffee. It's gonna, it's gonna fig. It's gonna taste like burning. It doesn't smell like that. You're gonna think it's fig forward because you are fancy. It's caramel forward. Or something forward. <laughs> It's better than the first one. <laughs> I like it better than the first one. It is. It's very caramel forward. Okay, and I'm I, like, okay. I got a caramel. You did the caramel. I got a caramel hit. I don't get caramel. It's behind the burning. It's like creme brulee in your mouth. What, what is that no, creme brulee? Creme brulee is <laughs> to be revered. Ah, very good. Very good. One more? Yeah. Holland, Michigan. And I should Love probably that. just set the record straight and say I'm not a beer drinker. I'm very much vodka gin. I'm a cocktail girl. And I'm so. not a drinker. I make I her drink it all the time. So you're so in, no you're in good company. My opinion. Well, no, and I always I always say that with every podcast. I don't like it, but you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I don't particularly care for this, but I'm sure someone will. Someone yeah. will because they go through the trouble of making right. these amazing things. Exactly. I don't want to take a shit on them. No. No. Even though it burned my mouth off. It does. It, you know. <laughs> this is delightful. Excuse me. All these things. Caramel been delightful. forward. Caramel forward. It is. Everybody. There was go drink very it. Sweet caramel in forward. There. There's caramel there. You're right. I don't. Mm-hmm. I. I. I know I'm right. It's like. <laughs> 
animal ink. <laughs> what? I don't know. Like, where do you get ink? Okay, first of all, yeah, first question: How much ink have you have tasted? You ever accidentally broken a pen in your mouth. All right. Well, dark origins, and I met. Jesus. Dark well, origin. I'm not gonna dwell because I want to get to the 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 reading, the reading, and the fun stories, and I want to hear Katrina read. Yeah. Aww. Um. But so let's just go over a couple. But here's a couple little tidbits from The Little Mermaid. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. That, yeah, I know some of the icky stuff. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Which appealed to me. <laughs> so Ariel wants to have legs and go to go to the land. And apparently, you know, so this, this ends up getting to happen for her. But the witch says Ariel has to give her voice as payment. So she gives her, the witch gives her the vial of I the I find stuff. that reasonable. Fair enough. <laughs> So Ariel gets the potion, and then the witch cuts out her tongue, stealing her voice. Um, that's that's pretty grim. That is pretty freaking grim. That's very grim. Um, so she goes to the surface. She meets the prince. He does fall in love with her, but he's betrothed to some other person. And, okay, so let's see. So she, this is just to be able to go back under the sea. Under the Wow. Um, Musical stylings by Ann Dunnick. She, she has the option to kill the prince before the sun rises. Uh, and with his blood on her legs, she will return uh, to Mermaid once more. Well, it's interesting. That'd be he fine. fell in love with her even though she couldn't speak. Which means, yeah. what is he really fine Come on, with? Prince Eric. Exactly. How deep is this relationship? So yeah, kill him. Get prince him like Eric. It's, a, it's about eight inches deep, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, three, four. I Prince don't know. Air I don't Dick. Know. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. It's always that way. Oh, my God. So she takes the knife in and goes up to kill him. Um, but she sees him happily asleep with his new bride and can't bear Ew. to kill him. Fuck that. Instead, she tosses the knife overboard, overboard and hurls herself into the sea, what? dissolving into sea foam. What? Yeah. So she loses everything. She loses everything. Okay, so it says the story doesn't quite end there, and we have this. The source notes will be. Um, oh yeah, the show the notes. Program notes. Which there. you should check this out because sometimes they have some juicy tidbits that we they were not really able do. to explain. Uh, Ariel rises out of the foam and finds out that she has become a daughter of the air. Uh, they don't have souls, but they can eventually earn a soul through good deeds for over three hundred. What are years. the good deeds? I don't know. <laughs> Serving Prince Eric? Probably. Not killing people. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. So, but yeah, you're right. She doesn't have a voice. What What did he fall in love with? Mm-hmm. So what I find... She was so pretty. It, right? Yeah, ass. like... Mm-hmm. Her sweet mermaid ass. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say, because we're talking about some of these, you know, very Disney-esque um, fairy tales... Um, that I I was super interested why so we have these fairy tales that are political commentary, social commentary, dark in origin, reflections of their time, and somehow they end up Disney movies, right? Right? Like how does this how, how did that? Where was that connection made? Yeah. Right? Like so I, I I did a little research into it, and it actually turns out Walt Disney got his start before he blew up um, making short little films based on fairy tales. Mm. Um, so I believe his first couple films, he had a film about Little Red Riding Hood, had a film about Jack and the Beanstalk. And it was kind of this idea where these stories were already fleshed out. 
So he just had to animate around it. And so it was, you know, kind of an easier thing for him to do than create a story and then animate around it. So it was kind of like a pre-populated idea. Um, So that's kind of how it got started. And then when he eventually became Disney, um, right, he kind of, he only made a few fairy tales, like true fairy tales um, in his time. So I believe they were Snow White was definitely obviously one of them. Mm -hmm. Cinderella and I want to say Sleeping Beauty were the three that were made when Walt Disney was still around. Um, And when I I found this really cool quote um, that I want to read for you. He was kind of asked, you know, why fairy tales? Why did you make these animated features? And he said, everybody in the world was once a child. We don't think of grown-ups, we don't think of children, but part of that fine, clean, unspoiled spot down deep in every one of us that maybe the world has made us forget. Okay. Hmm. So he was kind of creating these movies to hearken back to that childlike sense of wonder. Mm -hmm. Um, At least that's what his intention was in creating these fairy tales. And I don't, I mean, from that quote and from the interview that I read, which was on the Disney website, um, he didn't necessarily make those movies. I mean, obviously, because they were animated, Mm -hmm. they would be associated with children, but he didn't make them um, necessarily thinking that they were only Hmm. children's movies. They were Hmm. for people interested in childlike wonder and stories, which I found fascinating. It is fascinating. (laughs) And probably public domain, so yeah. I mean, you didn't have to pay any royalties. <laughs> yeah, just, it was like yeah, yeah we're making these. The yeah, yeah. So anyway, just just a couple more. Sleeping Beauty. Mm. Um. But yeah, <laughs> I hate I hate the real Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, story. it's so, horrifying. Yeah. yeah, it's a Brothers Grimm story. Uh, all right. So the disturbing original story. Uh, has a king that asks some astrologers to predict the fate of his daughter, uh, Talia. And they look to the future and they find out that she's going to come into danger with a piece of flax. Uh, so in an effort to escape that fate, of course, the king bans flax. Can I interrupt? Amp, yeah. What is a piece of flax? Because <laughs> I've had flax seed. <laughs> like one, one seed of flax. She was going to come into contact with a seed of with flax? With a seed of flax. And, and- and get in great danger because get, of yes, that. because of that. Or is it also like I'm in great danger whole... every day of my life, everybody, with my flax meal. Is it also like the uh, wheat, though? The wheat, sh- the whole wheat shaft, not just the seed, would be flax, right? So, fine, yes. Okay, yes. A shaft of flax. A shaft <laughs> of flax. Great. Sorry, <laughs> sorry for the uh, Okay, so he enters here. He uh, bans that. Unfortunately, she comes across some woman who has a spindle and. Long story short, she gets some flax embedded in a thing, like her finger or something. So, of course, the king's all sad and scared and blah, blah, blah. Um, so he has her taken to, to rest at one of the country mansions, one of his, one of his places. One of his many his country palatial mansions. Estates, and a king from another territory comes hunting and... Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like almost like lying in state, right? Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. She's under glass, and you everyone can see. Why are they always under glass? Again, if I am comatose, (laughs) right? Dead body. (laughs) Good point. But she remained beautiful. 
God. Wait, she's oh, dead? Right. Yeah. Did I? Oh, I didn't follow okay, that. So, I thought yeah. she was sleeping. So this, this other king comes and becomes smitten with her. This dead body this under dead glass. This dead body under glass. And um, he, does, he can't wake her, so instead, okay, so listen to this. Okay, the word is gathered the fruits of love. I hate that. He, <laughs> I hate, he, I hate that. <laughs> rapes her and then went on his merry way. And then she ended up pregnant. Um, she was enchanted. You know, so she could. She wasn't dead. So she wasn't wasn't dead. dead, dead. So she was sleeping. Fine, but not, not a normal slumber. (laughs) Yes, not. It it was a deeper slumber. A deep, a deep slumber. Slumber forward. Slumber forward. (laughs) Hashtag slumber forward. Um, But yeah, so she's unconscious and he rapes her, leaves her pregnant. That's like raping a woman. I mean, like those horrible stories you hear of women, like people in the hospital in comas, who Uh, end up pregnant. It's like. It's like that. That's disgusting. Gross. You know, and it just goes on from there. And that's just, I mean, that's just a small taste. Of what these original stories Of what stories these original like. stories or what these, like. Yeah. You can almost see, <laughs> again, I probably shouldn't be, sorry, sorry, monsters, shouldn't be this close to the mic just grunting at you. <laughs> I, but let's talk about how, well, I lost my train of thought uh, with my grunting. <laughs> Again, 10% ABV. Come on, pandemic. <laughs> she drank a lot of it. So, but no wonder with those types of stories, no wonder women in the 17th century right. were saying, we're going to make some commentary out right. of this. We're going to use this as a way to communicate mm-hmm. with one another, as yeah. a way to educate one another, as a way to keep one another safe. I yeah. mean. Um, because women uh, are presented particularly badly in most of the fairy tales. Yeah. Yeah. It's always evil mothers yes. or stepmothers. It's Always. never evil fathers. Never. Mm-hmm. The fathers are typically inept. Milk toast. Yep. Turds. And um, that was one of the things I found in um, some of my research is that it is always, there's usually with fairy tales, and this wasn't by any means one of the tropes, but one, um, one historian was saying that a common theme in many fairy tales is there's a female protagonist mm-hmm who is being controlled by a man who doesn't know nearly as much as she yeah. understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I think is pretty telling. And typical. And yeah. typical. <laughs> I mean, that goes clear back to what the Bible, I mean. And typical. So we've, we've kind of talked a lot about the history of fairy tales, about some of the different dark tropes in fairy tales, about how they became sanitized. And we're kind of, uh, you know... I'm in the camp of I like the original, obviously, Dirk story, uh, yeah. fairy tales. Um, and I think one of one thing that I uh, think would be fun to kind of go around and talk a little bit about before we get into our reading is what are some of our favorite fairy tales and kind of how did we get into fairy tales? If we can remember back, you know, our first encounter with fairy tales or our most memorable, maybe I should say our most memorable might not have been our first. Um, But I, my favorite fairy tale is Little Red Riding Hood. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. It's a good one. Um, Obviously, you all know I love nature. Um, So, of course, she's in the woods (laughs) uh, where I want to be my whole life. Yeah. Um, And, you know, 
there's this danger. It, it, the whole thing. The, it, it's funny because you don't really need to sanitize that one because whole it's just scary. Mm-hmm. She's in the woods alone. There's a wolf. He's stalking her. Mm-hmm. Um, there are various versions about when he gets to the grandmother's house. You know, he might gobble grandma up kill grandma yeah he, he might grandma might get scared and hide in a closet is one version or or whatnot one version you can cut the wolf open and there's, there's grandma, grandma. There's grandma. <laughs> yeah. she's just fine she's fine he swallowed her whole um wearing a wolf suit. but it's scary it's the, yeah. it, and it it kind of speaks to the danger it's it's interesting because it's a little girl she's innocent she's Mm -hmm. in the woods she's going to grandma's house she's taking her fresh baked bread because she's sick and she's picking flowers and she strays off the path and and there's a wolf you know like there there's kind of these tropes of um lessons to be learned about the innocence versus the danger Mm -hmm. um that i just think is fascinating and in one version of it she's told not to cut through the woods because yeah. it is dangerous and but that's the shortcut to grandma's house so again it's a story about like see what happens to the naughty little girl mm-hmm. to the naughty person. little girl mm-hmm. yeah um and so it's an, again about keeping them in their place in their place it can be yeah. a, a warning but their stories are so dark that it's not just a warning it's right kind of like keep them because the little mermaid is very similar yeah sure her, her father tells her not to you know why would you want to be on yeah, the land don't go up there yeah yeah, yeah. so and see what happens you end up sea foam yeah <laughs> With no voice. Now, I will say, I believe the Brothers Grimm version of Little Red Riding Hood, I might be wrong. Listeners, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, They cut off the wolf's head. Just cut it off. Mm -hmm. It's called Little Red, Little Red, Little Red Cap or something like that. And yeah, they cut off the wolf's head. They just cut it off. Okay. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. That's a choice, Brothers Grimm. Yeah. So, um, but I love Little Red Riding Hood. To this day, I think it's a timeless classic. Um, all of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember kind of my introduction into fairy tales. Again, as a child, I think all of us are probably introduced to them as a child. But I remember, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's a fable, but fairy tales, fables, I feel like there's some thin lines between mm-hmm. some of these different types of stories. But I remember... I was obsessed. I had an Aesop's Fables Mm -hmm. book, um, and I was obsessed with reading that thing. That's the first thing I ever learned how to read. Yeah. um, Because I would hold it, and I would try and read and try and read and try and read. And my mom actually told me a story recently. She said, yeah, you'd sit in your little rocking chair (laughs) with your Aesop's Fables book, and you would cry because you couldn't read it, but you wanted to. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. But that was my first book was Aesop's Fables. And so I feel like fairy tales have been with me my whole Mm -hmm. life, Um, at least my whole life in terms of being able to read. Mm -hmm. Um, They're interesting. And Aesop's Fables, they're not... They're not super sanitized themselves. Yeah, there yeah. are some pretty dark. Yeah. I remember the the uh, tortoise who hangs on to the. Um, there are two. I believe they're I, they're not pigeons. There's some type of bird, and they're carrying a stick with the tortoise that's mm-hmm. hanging on, and then he lets go and shatters into a million. You're traumatizing for a child. <laughs> like what? He died. That was four year old me, and then yeah. oh, now I'm here. Jeez, uh, obsessed with obsessed horror. With horror. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, what are some of your favorites? Well, I mean, I, I don't remember anything as in depth as that, but I just loved anything that was creepy. I loved anything that was 
you know, fanciful, yep. whimsical. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just loved anything like that that could that could send my imagination out or yeah. entertain my imagination, which was kind of hard to do when I was a kid. Sure. Because <laughs> it sure. was always... Yeah. Um, but I loved Seven with One Blow when the, the brave little tailor, when he um, kills seven flies in his tailor shop and somebody overhears him saying i killed seven with one blow and they think he's talking about giants so they send him out yes you would yeah to kill the giant of course i'm killing the giants yeah the giant that is um terrorizing the village and the only thing i really remember is one of the things he does to um uh, to trick the the giant is something about if you can squeeze water from this stone or from a stone uh, I'll leave a li- I, I can't remember. I am paraphrasing terribly. <laughs> but it's fine, 10%. Um, but he he outsmarts the giant by getting a sponge that looks like a stone and soaks it with water and squeezes the water. I mean, I, that stuck with me. Out of anything else in that story, yeah. that stuck with me. Yeah. The cleverness. I, the cleverness of it. Um, I also love the three Billy Goats gruff. Yes. Yes. I love that fun. troll. I love that troll under the bridge, man. So good. And the clip clop, clip clop. Yeah. It's, so good. It's like a, it's like one of those uh, tangible kind of stories. Yeah. My mom said clip clop. I can <gasps> hear it. it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, cool. Very good. But cool. also, you know, I, and I don't, these are not fairy tales, but Mother Goose's nursery rhymes. Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, you know, any of that stuff really yeah. is awesome. good. How about you, Katrina? Cinderella. Big time for the um, animal helpers. I've always loved animals. Like, even in my own stories, there's always animal characters who are just as important as the human characters. And I also loved the stories with the witches in them. And I know you have a lot to say Mm -hmm. about witches. Witch. Mm -hmm. Um, So Hansel and Gretel was a big one. And even in the the sanitized one and in the creepy ones, I feel for that witch. Yeah. um, More than I do for the kids, Mm -hmm. which is weird and speaks a lot about me, probably. But... um, I was always really interested in any of the stories with the witches and very fascinated by them. Absolutely. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, love that. <laughs> you know I love that. All right, so um, I think we should do our readings now. Yeah, let's um, do we let's, need yeah, read. let's do it. Oh, oh our pazoos, our next pazoos. So now we've got Krabby's. Uh, original alcoholic ginger beer. I smell the ginger. It's alcoholic. Yeah. Excited. I so I've had so like crabbies as in I'm adding a crabbies to my vodka. I've never had an alcoholic crabbies. Yeah, this is a this is a booze crabbies. Booze forward. <laughs> a booze forward crabbies. Booze forward. Um, and it uh, is. Let's see. I don't know. I like it. It says best served chilled with ice and lemon. Crabby's original alcoholic ginger beer is made to a unique recipe of exotic spices combined with fresh ginger shipped from the Far East and steeped for up to six weeks to produce its deep, deliciously spicy flavor. Mm. It's uh, it was. I have a lot to say about that. Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Scotland. In 1801, it was. So this is a Scottish. 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 Let's do it. Mm. I already had one of these before we started. That's really good. I like it. I thought you might. Oh my gosh! You can't even taste that's alcoholic. No, that's a problem. It's four point eight percent alcohol. Not anymore. That's good. That's good. Ah. Oh, that's too much. No, I'll do it. (laughs) Okay. That's delightful. All right. Kittle. Yes. Let's let's, let's paraphrase Cinderella first, and then. 
Katrina's going to read us Hansel and Gretel. Hansel, Hansel and Gretel. Gretel. <laughs> I won't read it like there, that. I there promise. you go, everybody. There, there it is. Um, you know what, Katrina, you want to paraphrase it? Because it's one of your favorites. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's been a really long time since I looked well, at it. Here's the whole what, story right here. What I remember. <laughs> just read it real quick. I can skim it. Give us a quick paraphrase. No, just what I remember is in the, in the original the stepsisters, when the prince comes back at the end, I know they chop off parts of their own feet yes. to, to fit, fit in. into the glass slipper. And so this this servant from the prince is trying to cram this glass slipper on their feet and blood is pouring over the yes. side. And I was just like mesmerized by that. And I loved how gruesome and creepy it was. And they were so cruel and awful to her. Yes. And the stepmother was the one who encouraged her daughters to, yeah, okay. to cut chop off their, their feet, feet off. Here we go. Listen said the mother secretly take this knife and if the slipper is too tight just cut off part of your foot it will hurt a little but what harm is that i mean come on the pain will soon pass and then one of you will be queen that's all she cared about isn't there a version where she also says if you're queen you won't have to be on your feet oh lord there's like like there's a version where she's like yeah yikes yeah Okay, so yes, yeah, so she cuts off part of it and then slams her foot in there. And then the rook de goo, rook de goo, there's blood in the shoe. The shoe is too tight. This bride is, is not, not right. right. Yeah, uh, the blood was streaming from it. Yeah. He saw that he had been deceived and he took the false bride back. Yes. And so then the mother said to the second daughter, take the slipper and if it is too short for you, then cut off your toes. So she took the slipper into her bedroom, and because her foot was too long, she bit her teeth together and cut off a large part of her toes, then quickly pulled on the slipper. When she stepped out wearing it, the prince thought that she was the right one and wanted to ride away with her, but then they came to the gate, the pigeons again called out. See, the animals are always helping. Yep, the pigeon. rook de goo rook de goo there's blood in the shoe. The shoe is too tight. This bride is not right. I have a lot of problems. First of all, did no one then have the same shoe size? Yeah. Second of all. <laughs> right. There's a lot of issues. A lot of issues. Second of all, how does he not know? Right. I'm going to I'm gonna ride off with you because, because you fit into the shoe. I can't be bothered to remember what you looked like. Or what your voice sounded like. Yeah. Or what your face looked like. <sighs> See, again, it's the whole thing with... Ariel couldn't speak, and he fell in love with her anyway. It's mm-hmm. like, come on. So uh, it's only the, there's no more daughters. Oh, yes. Uh, no, there is only a dirty cinder girl here. She is sitting down there in the ashes. The slipper would never fit her. She did not want to call her, but the prince insisted. So they called Cinderella, and when she heard that the prince was there. Because she, she looked qu- vaguely familiar. Yeah. She quickly washed her hands and face. She stepped into the best room and bowed the prince handed her the golden slipper and said try it on if it fits you you shall be my wife she pulled the heavy shoe from her left foot then put her foot into the slipper pushing ever so slightly it fit as if it had been as if it had been poured over her foot blah 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 rook de goo rook de goo there's no blood in the shoe the shoe's not too tight have they been washing this shoe every time (laughs) ew Ew. First of all, Gross. oh, you'll be my wife if you fit in the shoe. Yeah. We didn't just have a conversation until midnight mm-hmm. and dance and, you know. What? 
And it's also the whole weird thing of like, if she's not the right girl, he's still saying, if you fit the shoe, you'll be my bride. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so like, what if this girl didn't want to be his bride? Yeah. Well, that never, I that mean, never that occurs that to any of them. That never occurs to anybody no. ever. Ever. And is, correct me if I'm wrong, but in this version, do their eyes get pecked out by birds? Because that is a, there. There is an ending to Cinderella where their That's eyes get pecked out. That's not on this one that she had. Out. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I don't know why. I can't give you context for that, but do you know there's a flock of birds mm. pecking out eyes. <laughs> so watch out. Watch out. You We're want ready. Hansel and Gretel? Ready Hansel for Hansel and Gretel. and Gretel. All right. So one of the things that strikes me in this original though is how children are treated. It's like outright child abuse and neglect, and they're just expendable. Um, okay, Hansel and Gretel. A poor woodcutter lived with his wife and his two children on the edge of a large forest. The boy was called Hansel and the girl Gretel. The woodcutter did not have much food around the house, and when a great famine devastated the entire country, he could no longer provide enough for his family's daily meals. One night, as he was lying in bed and thinking about his worries, he began tossing and turning. Then he sighed and said to his wife, What's to become of us? How can we feed our poor children when we don't even have enough for ourselves? I'll tell you what, answered his wife. Early tomorrow morning, we'll take the children out into the forest where it's most dense. We'll build a fire and give them each a piece of bread. Then we'll go about our work and leave them alone. They won't find their way back home and we'll be rid of them. She continued to harp on this until he finally agreed to do what she suggested. So that's all it took. Right, she harped and harped because and he, he's of course right. she's harping, and, she's over an and of course she had the idea to right. abandon the children right. in the forest. And, he, and then we get this line, but still, I feel sorry for the poor children. He said, "The two children had not been able to fall asleep that night either. Their hunger kept them awake, and when they heard what their stepmother said to their father, it finally says stepmother, but it only says it once." Okay. Um, Gretel wept bitter tears and said to Hansel, "Now it's all over for us." Be quiet, Gretel, Hansel said. Don't get upset. I'll soon find a way to help us. When their parents had fallen asleep, Hansel put on his little jacket, opened the bottom half of the door, and crept outside. The moon was shining very brightly, and the white pebbles glittered in front of the house like pure silver coins. Hansel stooped down to the ground and stuffed his pocket with as many pebbles as could fit in. Then he went back and said to Gretel, Don't worry, my dear little sister. Just sleep in peace. God will not forsake us. And he lay down again in his bed. At dawn, even before the sun began to rise, the woman came and woke the two children. Get up, you lazy bones. I hate this. <laughs> We're going into the forest to fetch some wood. Then she gave each of them one piece of bread and said, now you have something for your noonday meal, but don't eat it before then because you're not getting anything else. Gretel put the bread under her apron because Hansel had the pebbles in his pocket. Then they all set out together toward the forest. After they had walked a while, Hansel stopped and looked back at the house. He did this time and again until his father said, Hansel, what are you looking at there? Why are you dawdling? Pay attention and don't forget how to use your legs. Oh, father, said Hansel, I'm looking at my little white cat that's sitting up on the roof and wants to say goodbye to me. You fool, the mother said. That's not a cat. It's the morning sun shining on the chimney. What? <laughs> I'm like, what? But Hansel had not been looking at the cat. Instead, he had been taking the shiny pebbles from his pocket and constantly dropping them on the ground. When they reached the middle of the forest, the father said, Children, I want you to gather some wood. I'm going to make a fire so you won't get cold. Hansel and Gretel gathered together some brushwood and built quite a nice little pile. The brushwood was soon kindled, and when the fire was ablaze, the woman said, Now, children, lie down by the fire and rest yourselves. We're going into the forest to chop wood. When we're finished, we'll come back to get you. Hansel and Gretel sat by the fire, and when noon came, they ate their pieces of bread. 
Since they heard the sounds of the axe, they thought their father was nearby, but it was not the axe. Rather, it was a branch he had tied to a dead tree and the wind was banging it back and forth. <laughs> okay, because that sounds just like an axe. <laughs> After they had been sitting there for a long time, they became so weary that their eyes closed and they fell sound asleep. By the time they finally awoke, it was already pitch black and Gretel began to cry and said, how are we going to get out of the forest? But Hansel comforted her by saying, just wait until the moon has risen, then we'll find the way. And when the full moon had risen, Hansel took his little sister by the hand and followed the pebbles that glittered like newly minted silver coins and showed them the way. They walked the whole night long and arrived back at their father's house at break of day. They knocked at the door, and when the woman opened it and saw it was Hansel and Gretel, she said, You wicked children, why did you sleep so long in the forest? We thought you'd never come back again. The father was delighted because he had been deeply troubled by the way he had abandoned them in the forest. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so troubled I abandoned my children. <laughs> Not long after that, the entire country was once again ravaged by famine. And one night, the children heard their mother talking to their father in bed. Everything's been eaten up again. We only have half a loaf of bread. But after it's gone, that'll be the end of our food. The children must leave. This time, we'll take them even farther into the forest so they won't find their way back home again. Otherwise, there's no hope for us. I love how this famine just keeps... I know. Yeah. Like, it's here. Oh, and, and then it's okay. magically gone. Oh, and it's coming back. Mm -hmm. Now it's back. All this saddened the father, and he thought it'd be much better to share your last bite to eat with your children. But the woman would not listen to anything he said. She just scolded and reproached him. Once you've given a hand, people will take your arm. And since he had given in the first time, he also had to yield a second time. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm like, wow. He set the precedent. Right, the precedent. Of giving set. in. However, the children were still awake and had overheard their conversation. When their parents had fallen asleep, Hansel got up. But the woman, intending to go out and gather pebbles as he had done the time before, but the woman had locked the door and Hansel could not get out. Nevertheless, he comforted his little sister and said, Don't cry, Gretel. Just sleep in peace. The dear Lord is bound to help us. Early in the morning, the woman came and got the children out of bed. They each received little pieces of bread, but they were smaller than the last time. On the way into the forest, Hansel crumbled the bread in his pocket and stopped as often as he could to throw the crumbs on the ground. Hansel, why are you always stopping and looking around? asked the father. Keep going. I'm looking at the little pigeon that's sitting on the roof and wants to say goodbye to me, Hansel answered. Fool, the woman said. That's not your little pigeon. It's the morning sun shining on the chimney. But little by little, Hansel managed to scatter all the breadcrumbs on the path. The woman led the children even deeper into the forest until they came to a spot they had never in their lives seen before. Once again, a large fire was made and the mother said, Just keep sitting here, children. If you get tired, you can sleep a little. We're going into the forest to chop wood and in the evening when we're done, we'll come and get you. When noon came, Gretel shared her bread with Hansel, who had scattered his along the way. Then they fell asleep, and evening passed, but no one came for the poor children. Only when it was pitch black did they finally wake up, and Hansel comforted his sister by saying, Just wait until the moon has risen, Gretel. Then we'll see the little breadcrumbs that I scattered. They'll show us the way back home. When the moon rose, they set out but could not find the crumbs, because the many thousands of birds that fly about in the forests and fields had devoured them. It's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll find the way, Hansel said to Gretel, but they could not find it. They walked the entire night on all the next day as well, from morning till night, but they could not get out of the forest. They were now also very hungry, for they had nothing to eat except some berries they had found growing on the ground. Eventually, they became so tired that their legs would no longer carry them, and they lay down beneath a tree and fell asleep. It was now the third morning since they had left their father's house. They began walking again, and they kept going deeper and deeper into the forest. If help did not arrive soon, they were bound to perish. But we're about to get to a better character. 
Um, they walked until they came to a little house that was made of bread. Moreover, it had cake for a roof and pure sugar for windows. What a blessed meal, said Hansel. Let's have a taste. I want to eat a piece of the roof. Gretel, you can have some of the windows since it's sweet. Ooh. A weird thing to say. That's very weird. Um, Hansel reached up high and broke off a piece of the roof to see how it tasted, and Gretel leaned against the window pane and nibbled on them. They heard a shrill voice cry out from inside, Nibble, nibble, I hear a mouse. Who's that nibbling at my house? The children answered, the wind, the wind, it's very mild, blowing like the heavenly child. That's a natural <laughs> thing to say. Hansel and Gretel. Like, like the, so heavenly the heavenly child. The heavenly child. Is that Jesus? I guess. Can we reenact this? We're just going to walk around the neighborhood, <laughs> and, and I'm going to go up and start licking someone's window. And when someone says, what the hell are you doing? I'm going to recite it's that exactly. It's the wind. It's the wind. It's very mild, blowing like the heavenly child. <laughs> And they did not bother to stop eating or let themselves be distracted. Since the roof tasted so good, Hansel ripped off a large piece and pulled it down while Gretel pushed out a round piece of the window pane, sat down, and ate it with great relish. Little pigs. I know. Suddenly the door opened and a very old woman leaning on a crutch came slinking out of the house. Hansel and Gretel were tremendously frightened. Like, stop eating my fucking property. Right. Seriously. <laughs> the old woman wagged her head and said, well, now, dear, dear children, who brought you here? Just come inside and stay with me. No one's going to harm you. She took them both by the hand and led them into her house. Then she served them a good meal of milk and pancakes with sugar and apples and nuts. Afterwards, she made up two little beds with white sheets, whereupon Hansel and Gretel laid down in them and thought they were in heaven. The old woman, however, had only pretended to be friendly. She was really a wicked witch on the lookout for children and had built the house made of bread only to lure them to her. As soon as she had any children in her power, she would kill, cook, and eat them. Cool. It would be a feast day for her. Now, witches have red eyes and cannot see very far, but they have a keen sense of smell. I know, poor witch is shaking her head it's right fine, now like, no, fine, that's wrong. Fine, fine. They have a keen sense of smell like animals and can detect when human beings are near them. There I was... wish, I wish I had a keen sense <laughs> I know. of detection of human beings near me. Therefore, when Hansel and Gretel had come into her vicinity, she had laughed wickedly and scoffed their mind. They'll never get away from me. Early in the morning, before the children were awake, she got up and looked at the two of them sleeping so sweetly with full rosy cheeks. Then she muttered to herself, they'll certainly make for a tasty meal. She seized Hansel with her scrawny hands and carried him into a small pen where she locked him up behind a grilled door. No matter how much he screamed, it did not help. Then she went back to Gretel, shook her until she woke up, and yelled, Get up, you lazy bones. It's just like her mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want you to fetch some water and cook your brother something nice. He's sitting outside in a pen, and we've got to fatten him up. Then when he's fat enough, I'm going to eat him. Gretel began to weep. Put all our cards on the table there. <laughs> yeah. just right now, just down. like put it out there. Began to weep bitter tears, but they were all in vain. She had to do what the Wicked Witch demanded, so the very best food was cooked for poor Hansel while Gretel got nothing but crab Why? shells. Why? I have a lot of questions I know, for me her. too. Why? Right. Why do you have to do that? Just run away. Exactly. Well, and well, she's... Like, he left some breadcrumbs. Go follow those back. <laughs> right. And remember, like, one of the versions I read earlier as a kid had Gretel was the one who left the breadcrumbs yeah. and Hansel yells at her for being so stupid because he knew to leave the stones but in this original version Hansel's the dumb one who did it he so Gretel's not too smart either but no, but at least she's not being blamed for everything so okay Gretel gets nothing but crab shells. Every morning, the old woman was slinking to the little pin and called out, Hansel, stick out your finger so I can feel how fat you are. <laughs> However, Hansel stuck out a little bone, and since the old woman had poor eyesight, remember this, this is important, okay. she thought the bone was Hansel's finger. 
She was puzzled that Hansel did not get any fatter. And when a month had gone by and Hansel still seemed to be thin. He literally is a cube because he's filled out the whole damn cage. (laughs) She was overcome by her impatience and decided not to wait any longer. Hey there, Gretel, she called to the little girl. Get a move on and fetch some water. I don't care whether Hansel's fat or thin. He's going to be slaughtered tomorrow and then I'll cook him. Ugh. Oh, how the poor little sister wailed as she was carrying the water and how the tears streamed down her cheeks. Dear God, help us, she exclaimed. If only the wild beasts had eaten us in the forest, then we could have at least died together. (laughs) If only (laughs) I didn't have to do everything this woman said said, and just run away. This old woman with a crutch. Who can't see. Who can't see. (laughs) Right? So early the next morning, Gretel had to go out, hang up a kettle full of water, and light the fire. First, we'll bake, the old woman said. I've already heated the oven and eaten the dough. She pushed poor Gretel out to the oven where the flames were leaping from the fire. Mm-hmm. Crawl inside, said the witch, and see if it's properly heated so we can slide the bread in. The witch intended to close the oven door once Gretel had climbed inside, for the witch wanted to bake her and eat her too. So why Obviously. all the focus on fattening Hansel? If she was going to eat them both. she wanted, like, lean and fatty meat. Okay. <laughs> because women aren't allowed to eat. But Gretel sensed what she had in mind and said, I don't know how to do it. How do I get in? You stupid goose, the old woman said. The opening's large enough. Watch, even I can get in. She waddled up to the oven, stuck her head through the oven door. Then Gretel gave her a push that sent her flying inside and shut the iron door and bolted it. I know. The witch began to howl dreadfully, but Gretel ran away, and the godless witch was miserably burned to death. Oh, the godless witch. I have so many issues. But this is my part with issues. Meanwhile, Gretel ran straight to Hansel, opened the pen, and cried out, Hansel, we're saved. The old witch is dead. Which means she could have opened that pen at any, any time. time because the bitch can't see. She could have let him out any time, right? They could have just ran away at any moment. At any but they moment. spent a month here while Hansel got to eat every day and Gretel didn't. Then the Grimm brothers give us this weird line at the end. My tale is done. See the mouse run. Catch it, whoever can. And then you can make a break. A great big cap out of its fur. <laughs> That's the end. What? How do you make it something big, big enough to be a cap out of a mouse? That's just weird. Do we have time for what the hell? We have to do what the hell. We have to do what the okay. hell. But before what the hell? Oh no. We have a last. Oh right. Puzzle. I've just been drinking it. D- teeny tiny bit because I really like that ginger stuff. That's good. That's good. Um. What? What is our Pazuzu endemic? <laughs> okay, the last Ooh. one. This is Ace. Ooh. Uh, space Bloody Orange Craft Cider. Oh, I love that. 6.9% alcohol by volume. Um, this is from the California Cider Company in Sonoma County. Lovely. Uh, yeah, that's blood good. Orange. That's anyway, I've never had blood, blood orange. orange cider. I really like the Ace. Um, we tried the Ace pumpkin cider mm. recently, and it is glorious. Delish. Excited. I like that's that it's by pink. Brie. Yeah, it's kind of pink, pink. colored. I like uh, it. Looks like a Paloma. Angela Stainer. Stanner. I like it. There's two of these I like. That's yummy. That's good. It is. It's that's a good cider. It's refreshing. It is. It's good. I've liked everything I've had um, from them so far. It's a little orangey. It's unfiltered. I chose this one. <gasps> I know. Because it says bloody. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. In right. space. Space is terrifying. It is. Itself. All right. What the hell? It is. It is time for what the hell? My what the hell today is 
really sad. I I'm sorry, monsters. It's really sad. Um, did you know that there's a koala serial killer on the loose in Australia? Oh yeah. no! Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, That's yeah. Um, and it's cows. <laughs> what? It's cows. What? Yes. Cows okay. are killing koalas. Okay, so. They Walls have noticed perfect, by the way. in Australia. Now, this comes from um, the University of Queensland. So they're doing studies on this currently. They have found that there have been a lot of bodies of koalas, and they have hoof prints on them. And so they're like, hmm, what, what's this about? And so they're studying it, and it looks like, cattle have been trampling the koalas this is not funny i know but the cattle have been trampling the koalas and so they were like okay um is this really happening so they they've been observing a little bit more closely because a lot of times the habitation where the koalas live is close to these cattle ranches in australia um so they've been observing and they um said that cattle have been seen chasing the koalas they're chasing whoa yeah um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so um, they have decided to do further study on this. This is not funny. It's not, not funny. But the fucking cows <laughs> are chasing down the koalas. Yeah. So that, that it gets better. They're doing a study to see if it's koalas or just that the cows are pissed. So in Oh, order, they could just be angry in general. Angry cows. Pissed so, cows. And the so, koalas are um, the easy target. Yeah, so to do the study, so they've weird. taped a stuffed koala to a remote-control vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just buzzing it around, and they're seeing if the cows get pissed. Do they? Do we know um, yet? We don't know yet, um, but there's a really good quote. It says, um, oh, oh, wait, no, sorry. Uh, I should clarify before I read the quote. They are doing this with a koala taped to it and then with nothing taped to it. <laughs> just to see if the cows get pissed. Um, if they re- and the quote reads, if they re- if the cattle react differently to the car with the faux koala, that is, they're more aggressive than with the regular car. We can be confident their reactions are because of the fake koala. <laughs> so they're 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 testing now to see if cows are pissed at koalas or just pissed in general. Um, and that's if I were a cow, I'd be pissed, be pissed in general. Pissed but what the, the what the wow. hell? What the hell? What the hell? What the hell? Get it together. Australian cattle. <laughs> okay, so mine is way shorter and sweeter than that, and but it is something. After all the stuff, the witch makes me drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, my what the hell is going to be the next thing that I make her drink. Mm. Oh, Lord. Help and me. it's uh, I'm on this really cool Facebook page called Questionable Vintage Recipes. Where they post yes. all this crazy nonsense from it's like horrific. it is horrific. Yes, um, I send Katrina pictures it's from it disgusting. all the time. All sorts of weird mayonnaise, Jello salads, aspic, and no. herring Jello, and just Gross. all kinds of weird shit. But so somebody posted this thing, and we're gonna t- we're gonna totally try it, and we're gonna figure out how to make it alcoholic. Are, and I think Krabby's is gonna be how we do it because it's yeah, a ginger I, beer. I think so. Okay. It is called beef fizz. Oh great! <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna beef fizz. Let that sink in. Great beef fizz the ingredients are uh two cans of condensed beef broth great one cup of chilled ginger ale great 
minutes. Two tablespoons of lemon juice. To brighten it up. Yes, yeah. Uh, for a little zest. Zest. Um, you combine those ingredients and pour over ice. Oh, great. Beef fizz. So before the beef fizz, I'm going to do <laughs> That's why five. the cows are pissed. I'm gonna do beef fizz. Beef. That is why the cows are pissed. <gasps> we had a cow themed. What the hell? We totally did. We had a cow we themed. Plan that. We didn't even plan that. Oh, it's my perfect. gosh. Yeah, oh, my me. goodness. This is great. This is great. Katrina, thank you so much yes. for joining oh God, us thank today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the reading. It was beautiful. Um, Katrina, what do you have coming up? I have a book that is going out on submission soon. It has not yet. So I have a new literary agent who's going to be sending it out. So hopefully I'll have news soon. Excellent. Awesome. It's a spooky mystery that you guys would highly approve of. Awesome. Yes. Fantastic. Where would you like to let us uh, let our listeners know where they can find you? I have a website that's just katrinakittle.com, but you can find my other published books wherever books are sold. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> encourage you. Highly encourage you yeah. to do so. Yeah. Wonderful. And for our younger listeners, I highly recommend starting with Reasons to Be Happy. Aww. Reasons to Be Happy. Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. All thank right. Um, so thank you for hanging in there. We really appreciate you tuning in. Let us know what your favorite fairy tales are yeah. and what their dark origins are. And if are. we missed the mark on anything or didn't see something that maybe you see in one of them, we yeah. want to know about it. Yeah, we want to know. Yeah. So you can get in touch with us. We obviously have our website, thehorrorsalon.com. Um, so check us out there. we got some really cool content coming up on there. Um, please follow us on Instagram. Um, that's at the horror salon um, and always get in touch with us let us know what your favorite fairy tale are a fairy tale is at info at the horror salon dot com okay all right there we're there okay so <laughs> the candle is out <laughs> the glasses are most definitely empty most if definitely. you cannot tell I am your co-host <laughs> Andemic. And I'm your co-host, The Witch. We'll see you next time at The Horror Salon. Where we curate the strange and unusual until dawn do us part. It's The Witch and Andemic. Music for this episode is Rage by the 126ers. Check out our website for show notes and links to some cool extras. Later, nerds. <laughs>